So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, looking at verse 9 in just a moment. And, and I want to begin saying this morning, maybe it's just me, but it seems that we invest, now hang with me, that we invest in what we're interested in. Another way to say this is that we give where our heart is. How many believe that this morning? Raise your hand. This is a participatory type of thing. How many believe that you give where your heart is? It's like the author, I read an article about this author. He said, he said, after, after writing and publishing my book, A 40 Day Spiritual Journey to a More Generous Life, and it became an unexpected bestseller, I was contacted by NBC to do a TV news story. And when the TV reporter interviewed me, she asked, as she was interviewing me, because I had this big bestseller about, you know, living this generous life. And, and she said, so you think everybody should be rich? And he said, no, I don't believe that. And the reporter then asked me, well, um, what do you believe? And he says, well, I believe that, that we, are, we, we should learn to become more generous with what it is that God has given us. And then the reporter responded and said, well, didn't your book, Becoming a Number One Bestseller, make you rich? He, he said, he smiled, he said, no. It just has enabled me to become more generous. And then he goes on to explain. He said, you know, every one of us that live in America is rich when you compare us to the rest of the world, other parts of the world. And he's saying that what we each need to do is to learn how we can become more generous with whatever it is that God entrusts us with. And so I guess what I'm saying, this this is so important that I've chosen not just one text this morning, but I've chosen several texts that I want us to kind of walk through together as God's family, because, you know, we are we are we are a part of God's family. You're part of God's family. And and I want us to look at the text together. And I really want to challenge our young people, our college uh, adults and our teenagers to Listen to these texts, and I know it can be kind of boring going verse after verse, but I believe that if we can get this in our bones, that life will be completely different for you. And you will have blessing like you can never dream if you can get this lesson down inside your heart. I believe that. In fact, let's look at the word together. We have 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, looking at verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then we go to the next verse. Let's go to the next screen. Malachi chapter 3, looking at verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my father's house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Knows that. Test me in this. That's the Lord speaking today. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. Next verse. Proverbs eleven twenty four. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Huh? Huh? One person gives freely, yet gains even more. And another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Next verse. Luke chapter 6, looking at verse 38, given, it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Next verse. 
Mark chapter 12, looking at verse 41 through 44. And this is more in story form. It's more narrative. And maybe this catches your attention a little bit better. So let's let's listen together. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Worth only a few cents. The next part of that passage is calling his disciples to him. Verse 43. Calling his disciples to him. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth. Listen to this. They all gave out of the wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything All that she had to live on. And then we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and looking at verse 6. Let's go ahead and look at that. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And may God bless the reading of his word this morning. You know, I I look at this and I look at really the law of God's plan. And that's what we need to say this. This is... This is God's plan. It's the law of God's plan. And, and by the way, it's in the bulletin there. It, it's a plan that still works. It, it really is. And, and I think what happens is we, we begin life and, and we start, you know, enjoying life and we start making these decisions and we forget maybe who the creator is. And, and yet in this passage, we're being reminded that he is the creator, that it, he does have a plan for life. And I, I think what happens is we start out and we think, okay, we're going to do things the way that we want to do them rather than the way the creator has planned for us to do them. And of course, we're talking about, you know, generosity. And I happen to believe this morning that that the more that we get to know God, listen to this, the more that we get to know God, the more that generosity comes into view. But yet I think what we do is we start life and we go down the road there and we start thinking, okay, I'm going to do it the way I planned rather than the way that our creator has planned for us. It's kind of like if I got up this morning and and I got dressed and I looked at my coat here, this jacket, and and I just ignored what the creator planned for my jacket. And I decided, well, I guess what I'm going to do, my idea is I'm going to take the bottom button and I'm going to put it in the top hole like this. And so I just kind of walk out the door because this is my plan. This is what I want to do. And so I kind of, this is cool. And so I kind of go out and, you know, to my work and I go out into the public and pretty soon people are looking at me. Something's not right. You see, something's out of order. And so I'm thinking to myself, man, I've got a problem. I need to fix this. So Tony Miller, you know, I decide to fix my problem. And so I take the top button. I put it in the bottom hole like this. You see, this is the problem. We we do things the way that we want to do them instead of the way the creator created them to be done. And so what happens when we do it our own way? Are you following me? When we do it our own way, we get things out of order. Rather than following the order that the creator, the creator of this jacket, or maybe the creator of, of heaven and earth. Because you see, the creator of heaven and earth says that we are... We are to be generous. In fact, he gives us here in the scripture a plan for us to give generously, and we call that tithe. In fact, so much so it seems that this is the reason for having money. Someone asked one time, what is money for? Well, we know this. Money can do a lot of things. Money can do some bad things. Money can do some good things. We know that, but mostly in the spiritual realm, in the law of giving, as the creator has planned for us, you see, giving or being generous is about bringing balance to life. 
And we will not really have balance. And listen to me, men. We will really not have balance until we get a handle on this generosity thing. I read an article that, that, that said that women are far more generous than men. Guys, <laughs> if we want balance in life, we, we need to learn to be how, be out, how to be generous. So that God might be glorified and then things begin to happen in life. And you say, well, pastor, what starts happening if we are following God's plan and the plan of generosity and giving the tithe as God has called us to give? Well, things do happen. The first is, is we're set free. That's right. Too often, I think we are controlled by created things. We, we, get, we get, you know, focused on something that we like or something that we want or maybe it's something that pleasures us. And we get so focused on that, so intense, we put all our effort in that. And pretty soon, before we know it, we're living in the land of idolatry because we're following our plan. We're following our plan. I'm following my plan. Instead of the plan that the creator has Made for us. But when we do that, when we follow God's plan and we give generously, we're set free. And so we discover this law of generosity. And then we recognize that money should be for our benefit, not the other way around. Are you following me there? Not the other way around. You see, the challenge is that we master our money. There are people that are much greater experts about about probably biblical truth and and stewardship and all that than me. And you read what they say. And they say that we are to master our money. I, I like when one, one preacher said like this. He says, you know, master your money. Be in charge of your money. Don't let your money, you know, master you. Throw your money on the ground. Stamp on it. Trample it. Spit on it. Do whatever you have to do. Drop it down on the priority list below family and friends. But just by all means, be the master of your money so that your money by, might be used to glorify God. Amen. I love the example of those that are generous people. I remember a family that I grew up with. They were like godparents and they were so very generous and they had two kids that were in Christian college, actually Northwest Nazarene University. And that's where I attended. And I remember starting my freshman year and this kid showed up to go to college our freshman year. And I know he is from a very poor family and I know he is struggling to make this thing happen. And when we were in the office there and we were paying our bill, he pulled out a wad of hundred dollar bills. I'm thinking, where did he get that? And he shared with me that this family, this this beautiful, loving family by the name of the Henrys, they had heard that he did not have the money for his first semester, and they gave him the money, even though they were paying for other, two other students. I mean, there's just something about generosity. It brings this balance in life, and it sets us free to be the person that God has called us to be. So when we give generously, we're set free. When we give generously, we are praising God, by the way. Amen. There is no more tangible way of saying, God, I love you. Then when we give to God what he has blessed us with and we say, God, this is your portion and this is your part. And we understand the word says it's 10 percent. And I, I was uh, kind of laughing. One of our members was sharing with me a sermon they used to hear from another pastor of this church. And he said how the pastor would bring up 10 apples and he'd set 10 apples out. And then he would take the one apple that belongs to God. That's your tithe, right? And you'd leave the other nine apples and say, look, this, this much is yours. But this much belongs to God. And then he'd begin to say, 
he'd begin to say, well, you know, this is a tough month. You know, bills are running, you know, uh, short. And so you kind of whittle off a little bit of this apple. And something else happens. The kids need fillings. You whittle more. And pretty soon he goes on in his message. And when he gets done justifying why he needs this money to really make it for the month, pretty soon there's nothing left for God. I mean, what a great illustration of the fact that God... God has challenged us. He's challenged us to believe in his principle, in his plan for his creation. And so what am I saying? The most tangible way that we can show God that we love him is by giving to God what belongs to him in the first place. In Proverbs chapter three, verse nine, we read, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. The first fruits of your crops, which kind of reminds us of, of, of the Old Testament and the way that they lived. And they had an agricultural type of life, kind of a sedentary life where they lived on their crops and they raised sheep and cattle. And, and you see, it was, it was a way of living their life that they would, they would give 10% of the crops and 10% of the firstborn and 10% of the clothes that they'd make. And they'd bring it to the storehouse. You see, it was a lifestyle of worship. That, that was the example that we have there in the Old Testament. It, it was for them, tithing was, it was, Proving God was God. We read about that in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. It is about, tithing was about a measure of provision that God would provide and it was the principle of 90% that they would live by. I mean, those are the truths that the word gives us. In fact, scripture this morning, if we look at it, it teaches us two things about tithes. Now, bear with me. Two things about tithes. One, that tithe is a discipline. And a discipline is usually... Uh, it usually means beginning something that we usually do not want to begin <laughs> or doing something that we usually do not want to do. That's why it's called a discipline. And so to be disciplined, it means a rigorous life. It means we're rigorous in our focus, in our discipline, that we might be obedient to the plan. Why? Because we know the plan is best for us. It's best for the kingdom. Amen. And so we recognize that, that tithing is a discipline. And when we begin to just do it, as we say the phrase, you see, the spiritual muscles begin to grow. And as our faith and our spiritual muscles begin to grow, then we begin to be happy. Why? Because we've been set free and we're learning how to love God. So when we give generously, we, we are praising God, loving him. The second thing about tithing the passage or the scripture shows us is that tithing is a decision. And discipline begins with decision. Discipline begins with decision. And the decision here in giving is that, that we trust God. So that if we're giving the Lord what's his, that means that we're trusting God. And we worship God in our giving by being generous and our giving unto the Lord. So that's, that's the second thing. What is the last thing? And hang in there. I mean, bear with me. The last thing is that, that when we, we give generously, we are in relationship with God. We give generously, we're in relationship with God. And, and you know, there's, this, there's something about this, this authenticity thing. I mean, there's something about being sincere, I mean, authentic in our faith. And so we're just not, you know, going through the routines. And, and I, I cannot think of a way that shows authenticity any more than, than this thing that God has called us to in being, being obedient to him in the idea of, of, of giving to the Lord. 
And you may think, well, you know, hey, this is personal. Yes, it's very personal. And personally, sometimes we get to a place where we're hearing God's voice and God is speaking and we're responding to the voice of God because it's not the pastor. It's not the church. It's the voice of God that is speaking into our life and into our story that we respond to him and say, "Okay, Lord, I hear your voice. And church member, super Christian, I understand this is gutsy work. This is where we begin to roll our sleeves up, church, and we say, okay, I really believe in this God thing, and now's the time to believe in it, and I'm going I'm I'm to be obedient to God. Maybe it's, it's possible that you're carnal. Maybe it's possible that you're lost, and, and this makes no sense at all. That, that's very possible. But if there is a, a little bit of a consciousness, and there's a the little bit that is resonating within your heart that there's something real that is here that God is speaking to you about, then respond to God. Amen. You know, I began last week in this series of connecting with God, that in connecting with God, we're in a relationship, and it's our relationship, and my relationship with God, and your relationship with God. And again, the greater our relationship with God grows, more generosity comes into view. Why? Because we have relationship with God. Amen. I wonder what it would be like if collectively, as a church, we were to come together and collectively were to decide, hallelujah, we want to be obedient to God and we want to give generously. What would happen, church, if we became, you know, gangbusters for the gospel? What would happen if we had an unbridled passion for the glory of the kingdom of God? I know something about being unbridled. I, I remember when I was 12 years of age. My dad had a horse by the name of Dixie, and uh, she was a spirited horse. I mean, she didn't want to get in the trailer. She didn't want to do anything. She hated getting a saddle put on her back. My dad was kind of a cowboy. He wanted to cowboy me up. You know what I'm talking about? And so we had this horse, Dixie, and she was in a pasture of about 10 acres. And uh, along with Dixie, there was three or four cows. And when you have cows in a pasture, you have what? You have, yeah, you have cow pies in the pasture. And the sun bakes the cow pies and the cow pies get all dried up and the cow pies are like concrete and they're basically mashed up grass. And there's these dried cow pies and my, my father puts me on Dix, Dixie and something startles her. I mean, she was fine when somebody 180 pounds was on her back. But when a 12 year old kid that was 60 pounds, he puts me up on her back and boom, like a shot. It was like she was stung by a bee and she took off running full speed across the pasture and, and she's headed towards the fence and I'm like hanging on to remain like this. I had a pair of jeans on a t-shirt. I could hear my dad in the background. Jump off! Jump off! Jump off! I didn't know what else to do, so I jumped off. And I'm going 40 miles an hour. I jump off. My belly hit those dried cow pies. My t-shirt was ripped off me like a window shade. I mean, like that. And all of that mushed up grass began to be driven in my belly as I skidded across the pasture for about 50 feet. I got up. I'm bleeding. I'm, I'm scratched up. I've got that stuff in my skin and under my skin. And my dad runs up and He's uh, he, he's kind of like, you know, trying not to laugh. And yet he's trying to show that he cares. And, and I'm like, I'm wanting to cry, but yet I'm kind of laughing at myself. And man, I know about unbridled passion. Can you imagine what it would be like if we had unbridled passion, young people? If we had unbridled passion for the kingdom of God, that we had that kind of passion for what Jesus could do through the ministry of this church. Lives changed, missions done, giving accomplished for God's glory. Amen. I believe that God could transform this city 
if we had unbridled passion for Jesus Christ. I believe that. And I understand, again, it's gutsy work to give unto the Lord. It's tough. But I believe God will bless it. I believe that God will bless us having unbridled passion just to reach out to our community. I want to have the ushers come this morning. And I want to invite you to come forward today. And I want to have you guys pick up uh, one or two of these baskets. And I want you to begin. i like to invite you to begin to uh, give uh, passes down the aisles. And I want to invite everybody to pick up about ten of these little babies. Okay? Pick up about ten of these little babies. And what this this ticket says... It reads, join us at Mission Church, Sunday, January 22nd at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. Activities for, for kids, both hours, and nursery care provided. And then there's a map on the back. And I want to invite you to take at least 10 of those tickets. And, and take those tickets and share them with somebody. Invite somebody to come with you next Sunday. In fact, on Monday, on Monday I have my study time scheduled between... 8 a.m., 8.30 till 1 o'clock. And then when I break at 1 o'clock, I've given myself about two hours. Because I've made some relationships. I've built some bridges with some people. And one's a manager at a bank. Another is a sales rep for an apartment company. And there's a few more. And I'm going to take that time. And I'm going to drive around. And I'm going to, on purpose, go to them and give them one of these tickets. And invite them to come to our church next Sunday. Oh, not because that person is a trophy. No. It's not because you're going to recognize that I I invited them. You won't even know who they are. It's because I want them to know Jesus, and I'm passionate about that. I have unbridled passion that I want them to know Jesus Christ. Amen? We can transform this. God can transform this city with unbridled passion in your heart. So I invite you to respond to the Lord today, not even to the pastor, but to the Lord to say, God, I, I want to be obedient to you. I want to be I want to be your servant and I want to have unbridled passion. And maybe maybe for some of us, it's the beginning of of giving unto the Lord and being generous. I, I was blessed after service. A precious lady, of course, I'd never say who precious lady came up to me. And gave me a sizable check, not me, written out to Mission Church of the Nazarene, a sizable check. And said, this is the beginning of my tithe. <laughs> Amen. Unbridled passion to walk with Jesus, to be his servant, and to build his kingdom for his glory. Amen. You're a part of that. You're a part of that. Let's stand. And I'm going to invite the girls to come and lead us and uh, as we begin to just prepare for communion today. The Holy Sacrament is something that it really kind of embodies everything that we believe and that we stand for. I mean, in all the things that we do, whether it's greeting or playing the keyboard, leading, singing, preaching, in all of these spiritual disciplines, if I can call them that, it all becomes reality as we come to this moment. And remember the body of Christ that was broken for us. The blood of Christ that was spilled for us. It should be the pinnacle of our moment here today. Our passion is for Christ. I'm excited about your church. My church now. I'm excited. 
because of Jesus Christ. Because of Christ. I want us as we receive the sacrament that you will remember Christ. And say, Lord, I'm available. If you put somebody in front of me, I'm available. If there's a gift, talent I need to use, I'm available for Christ. For Christ. Amen. So as we move into this time of worship, you can come and we'll have some standing up here to serve the sacrament. We'll have, you know, a prayer space over here. Over here. Let's just follow the Lord's voice. Let's worship Jesus. Let's remember Jesus as we take sacrament together.